Hi everyone, and welcome to the Slug Club, where all things Harry Potter and mischief are managed. Justin from Hufflepuff here, along with my friends Abby from Ravenclaw, Liz from Slytherin, and of course, as always, also joining us today is my brother Rob from Gryffindor, who has never read the books. Thanks again for joining us on this last installment of our current series, taking a closer look at some of the magical abilities that are found across the wizarding world. In our previous episodes, we've talked about parcel tongues, being seers, as well as being skilled occlumens. If you haven't already done so, be sure to jump back at some of those prior episodes. So that, that way you're caught up to speed on all things Slug Club. But we do have one more rare, unique, magical ability to talk about today here on the Slug Club. And that, of course, is Metamorph Magus. The ability to transform a piece of your body or your entire body into something entirely different. Being a metamorph magus is to be a witch or wizard with the rare ability to change their appearance through sheer will without the need for polyjuice potions or even casting a spell. In the past episodes, we've talked about animagi and the ability to transform at will into like an animal. But this is a little bit different in the sense that an animagus, you can transform without, you know, casting or saying an incantation, casting a spell, or using your wand, but you're usually, it's only confined to one animal. And that animal is predetermined by whatever inner traits that you have that make up your personality. To be a metamorph magi, you can take on a variety of forms, and that variety can change from either large changes or subtle transformations to um, your appearance. So some of those larger transformations might be changing genders might be changing how old you are appearing more younger or appearing older or it could even be smaller characteristics like changing the color of their hair or shape of their noses and of course this is something that can't be learned this is something that is naturally just inherited it's something that you're born with in order to be an anime guy you have to go through this long process almost like a ritual that you have to um, undertake that's very precise and you have to do everything a certain way precisely how it is in order for it to go right but to be a metamorph magus you're just kind of born with and it. it's it's just something that makes you who you are it's not necessarily something that you can train for or practice it can be passed down from within family trees but it's not always an exact science um, you know you look at genealogy and biology and it's unsure if this is some kind of like dominant trait or a recessive trait, but it is something that can be passed down from parent to child, or it's also known to skip generations or even multiple generations. The fact that we see this trait only twice throughout the series, I think helps paint this, this picture as to just how rare and unique being a metamorph magi is. And of course, we're all familiar with the predominant person featured throughout the series. You know, I'm reminded of the classic early 2000s pop punk legend Reliant K lyric. <laughs> we all know the girl that I am talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's a metamorph magus and she can change the color of her hair <laughs> anytime. I accept that rendition. It's a good, it's a good cover. Yeah, yeah. And of course, that person is known from Hufflepuff herself, Nymphadora Tonks. Not really going too far into Nymphadoras, 
um, history and backstory today, but kind of focusing in on how she is a metamorph Megai and some of the things that she showcases for us throughout the series. It's clear that Tonks has this ability from the time that she's born. I mean, her hair would change even as a newborn throughout the day, depending on how she was feeling, what she was doing, who was interacting with her. Um, And I don't really think that it was necessarily something that you could say that she mastered at an early age, even as an infant. I think it's more of just something that it made up who she was. It was something automatic for her, that it was just something that would happen. And then as time went on, she learned how to harness it a little bit more. Yeah. But you do see that she's still not quite in control, at least at all times, because you know when uh, when Mad-Eye Moody calls her Nymphadora, and she's like, don't call me Nymphadora, and her hair changes color to red. You know, she goes full-on mood ring hair. That's right. Mood ring. Because when it's black means watch your back, because you're probably the last the person, person in the world right now she, now she wants, wants to see. To see. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing That's it was only red hair, you know. That's not going to come out together at all. <laughs> <In those>. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so good. So it's a good thing then it was red hair. Although now that I'm thinking about it, if it's a mood ring, that probably probably sends the wrong messages then, doesn't it? Be like, I don't know if you're really into me right now or just really hate me. <laughs> but that is a good point because this is something that can be affected or impacted depending on the person's um, present emotion or regulated state, right? The Metamagai's appearance can at any point reflect the emotion that that person is feeling at that time. So like, Rob, you'd mentioned that Nymphadora Tonks' hair may be um, changing color, depending on if she was mad or if she was content, happy, easygoing. Um, we see her hair throughout the series, especially as, as she's pining over Remus, that her hair during that time is very dull and dark. And it's because of how sad that she is, how depressed she's been for so long. Um, But then there's other times where her hair is very bright and colorful whenever she's happy or spontaneous, impulsive, Mm -hmm. typical tonks. Um, Typical meth heads. (laughs) (laughs) Typical meth heads. And they left the douchebag jar, typical meth heads. (laughs) And those strong emotions can also impact the witch's or wizard's ability to transform. You know, you see that... During this time, not only was her hair super dark and it was it was dull, but Tonks really kind of lost her the, the ease that she was able to do these different transformations because of how strongly sad she was during that time. I think it was like for a whole year. She really didn't have that much control over what her body was changing into. And so it can be definitely more difficult if you are having some of those stronger emotions versus simply just focusing a little bit as Tonks would describe how to change her body into different things. I'll tell you where Tonks's abilities really could have been put to good use is as a therapist. You imagine all the therapists who sit there and it's like, all right, now imagine if your father was sitting in this room, what would you say to him? She could be their father. Be like, you have a picture. All right. Say it to me. I hate you, Dad. <laughs> yes, let this it out. A great session. <laughs> <laughs> let me have all of it. <laughs> and I'm sure it was very useful in Tonks' profession as well. Um, I mean, she became an Auror, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. she is in, in the line of espionage, especially mm-hmm. with Dumbledore's army, 
army too, where mm-hmm. she's able to kind of become a little bit more easily incognito in whatever situation she wants to be in, or she can change it into whoever she wants to try and blend in or to trick other people. And no, she did say that, um, like when she was going through training that, um, like part, one of the classes you have to take is like being able to change your appearance to deceive people or like, you know, that way you can like be incognito or whatever. And she said she was top of the class, just immediate, had no struggles, like just flew right on through that. Like it was just laughingly easy for her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you would imagine that every other person that's in this academy of hers and her training, that they would have to use their wands, recite some kind of spell or incantation, and um, go about it a different way than Tonks would, which would just be just in a blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. This is an ability I would think that Grindelwald or the Dark Lord would really love to have surrounding themselves with because it's so useful in just being undetectable at any given instance. Like you could send this person out to do something and no one would know the wiser that this person was somebody else. It's like having infinite polyjuice potions. Yeah. I mean, really though, like the hair of someone you know you can just and it's like at the drop of a hat you could change into someone else it's not like Mm -hmm. the whole process well and you think how long it takes to have polyjuice correctly brewed too doesn't Mm -hmm. it take like two months well it took Uh, them like a month yeah at least a month days yeah also hermione's a little bit of a novice a little wet behind the ears and well, no, because no, one of the ingredients had to be picked at the full moon and like mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I think there is a time aspect to it, but also, you know, it's not like Hermione's going to make it as quick as like Snape would. I can see Snape taking like the same amount of time because maybe a fortnight, is... you know. <laughs> uh, well, I think something had to brew for, for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah something has to brew for a certain amount of time. You're you're not yeah. wrong, you guys. Guys, we've covered this. We've done Snape the Polyjuice episode. For those of you curious, because we clearly don't know, go back to our Polyjuice episode where we <laughs> talked about about two years ago. Guys, we know th- how it works. You take boom slang skin, <laughs> lace wing flies. Just those but I would say... <laughs> well, that's oh, all I remember. I'm going <laughs> to toss this idea out. So, like... Say, instead of Barty Crouch Jr. needing polyjuice potions, if he was a metamorph guy, I mean, he would basically go undetected because one of the things mm-hmm. that I felt like gave him away as being, as not being Alistair Moody was because Snape was missing some of the items in his storage. Mm-hmm. Yep. But to be fair, Snape never suspected him at all. He assumed it was Harry stealing from his potions closet or mm-hmm. stores or whatever. Again. Like he, it was only when like they detected polyjuice potion in that flask that it clicked. Snape was probably listening to Remus. I trust Dumbledore. Therefore I trust Alistair. <laughs> well, he was just like one of the best aurors out there. And so no one could have even imagined that like someone could have not only like bested him him and bested him and like but pulled off such a crazy clever elaborate scheme and held on to it for Mm -hmm. so long and he just nailed like Mm -hmm. i mean he fooled dumbledore who had known him for decades Mm. like his personality everything sure 
even with the faux glass, he didn't see mm -hmm. it coming. Sneak attack. Took some lessons from Eric Matthews. He was probably hiding in a portrait in a wall, you know, just waiting for Alistair to come by. You would think that they would have used Tonks a little bit more than what they did inside um, inside of the Order of the Phoenix. Like, I mean, she basically could have gone about anywhere that she wanted to mm -hmm. without anybody blinking an eye. Even Albus Dumbledore, he writes this article in Transformation Today. This is back before the times of Fantastic Beasts, I think, even, where in 1926, Dumbledore writes this article that um, looks at the possibility or the plausibility of somebody who is a metamorph magus to just be able to disappear entirely mm. without a trace. It's also interesting. I know we kind of looked at the difference between anime guy and metamorph magi, but anime guys within the Ministry of Magic, you also have to register whenever you become an anime guy. Whereas mm -hmm. I don't think that there's any real registry for a metamorph magus. They probably want you to say something though. I'm not saying that n no family ever has never been like, hey, I'm going to report to the mystery that my kid appears to be able to change their appearance easily at will. But mm -hmm. I assume that they would probably have some sort of like requirement. As I said, not that people can't lie, but especially it'd be harder to hide, I think, with a small kid because I mean, they sort of gave small kids a pass with using magic, right? Because they're like, they're kids. They can't control it. They don't know. That's why they go to school. They learn, blah, blah, blah. So it probably was to an extent, like at a young age, the kids outed themselves. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like it was any kind of private knowledge, I would imagine, because any time you got angry with a peer, I would assume something happens. Or any time you were depressed or, you know, super elated, your hair could change, eyes could change, yeah. face could change. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. like, how would you even hide something like that? Right. It'd be almost public knowledge at that point. Yeah. So it's probably like when you're filling out those forms for a job and you have to say if you're like a Pacific Islander or Latin or something. <laughs> yes, I am a metamorphagus. Yes, I'm a metamorphagus. Or I prefer not to say. <laughs> I prefer not to say. <laughs> Like, it's all right. We'll probably find out at some point during the interview or uh, during employment. Even though I am clearly not Caucasian. Right. I prefer not to say. <laughs> no, I feel like that's the option you select if you are white. It's like, <laughs> what, what race are you? Uh, this is the deepest source of shame of my life. Prefer <laughs> not to say. <laughs> Another thing, too, even with if there was like some kind of registry, of metamorph magi like there's there's nothing that they would be able to trace back to that person so like with anime guy you can change into this animal and it's usually just this one animal and you have some kind of characteristic or a mark that would identify you as being slightly different you know i mean we talked about how in the animagus episode i mean abby would wear glasses as a hawk I would have, you know, tuft hair as a black swan. Rob would have a lot of butt hair as a ferret. God. <laughs> it's a stoat. <laughs> I like how that's how you, that's what you clarify, right. not the that's butt hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got me. <laughs> so there's nothing that you can identify as this person is changing 
um, into someone else, into a different, you know, facial feature, whatever. Um, there's nothing that is going to say, oh yeah, no, that's just Tonks. But you did say, Justin, that it, um, there's two people that this is meant, like, you know, that have this ability. And I assume that the second person you were going to refer to was Tonks and Remus's child, correct? Yeah, so then you have Tonks, or Nymphadora Tonks, and then you mm -hmm. also have the child of Nymphadora and Lupin, Teddy. Mm -hmm. Oh, Teddy. Teddy. Which I did not do a character deep dive on Teddy as well, but other than just that he has the same ability so as his mother. I, I can provide a little insight. Um, Remus shows Harry a picture of baby Teddy, and it shows like he, his hair is changing color in the picture. But then in the final chapter, you know, um, 19 years later, or like however long it was um, after the Battle of Hogwarts, Ron and Hermione's I can't remember if it was Hugo or Rose. Um, they came running back um, while they're all on platform nine and three quarters and the kids that are old enough to go to school are getting on Hogwarts Express. They come running back and um, they're like, I just saw like Teddy snogging uh, Victoire, which is um, Bill and Fleur's daughter, who was named Victoire because that means victory in French. And that mm -hmm. was in regards to winning the battle of hogwarts that's and right so... and that's the day that that child was conceived <laughs> won a nice battle your brother died went and conceived your first child so when i that's how you turn a, a l into a w oh no but so teddy is brought up during that point and um it's also mentioned that teddy um you know is of course harry's god son and um is very involved with harry and jenny's family and is there all the time and you know he helps did they adopt him or is so, he living with tonks like ted tonks and, and andromeda yeah yeah uh teddy um is raised by um tonks's parents but um he is very involved with like harry's family and you know comes over for dinner all the time and Harry kind of wanted to be the godfather to Teddy that he wished that Sirius could have been to him, right? Like very involved in public. Not that Sirius didn't wish he couldn't have been involved, but, you know, being one of the most wanted people in the ministry, that kind of puts a damper on things. does make it difficult. It does. There are some other notable Metamorph Magi out there in the Wizarding World, though. I mean, you of course, you have Jack Ryan... Mrs. Doubtfire, Michael Jackson. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> How do you just throw that in there? <laughs> the winning joke of the series. Oh my goodness. I mean, Michael Jackson oh. has to be an Animorph Magus, right? <laughs> oh, no. It's the only Magus. logical way to explain everything. <laughs> Animorph Magus would probably be just animals. Oh, wait, what did I say? Animorph said, Magus? Yeah, yeah. Metamorph Magus, yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You're telling me he chose that nose? <laughs> Could change at any level, and that's what you landed on? You also have April O'Neil from TMNT, or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, most recently, you have James Rhodes, or War Machine, as he's most commonly known as, oh, that's in the Avengers one. universe, and then also yeah, Mystique from X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> So we finally got one actual metamorph magus. Out of yeah. 
<laughs> well, I mean, Mystique's a pretty close one, you know. I That's can't believe the one you that chose... I was referring to. Yeah, you chose War Machine instead of Morph from X Men. Oh, Morph! Yeah, Morph from X Men too. <laughs> Wolverine, look out! No, it's not look out. It's Wolverine, pull back! Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Morph! <laughs> Robbie and fishy! <laughs> Robbie and I had one VHS of the 1996 or 97 X-Men series yep. and always played this one episode where Morph dies, or mm-hmm. you suspect that Morph dies, but then he comes back in season two. Spoiler! And he's evil now. <laughs> But now he's evil. (laughs) Previously on (laughs) X-Men. Every episode, it was like one of those VHSs that had three TV episodes on it. You remember they did that with like Pokemon? And it's like we had that, you know, we had they did that with Rugrats. You got like three episodes you could fit. That was all you could fit on one VHS. You know, it wasn't a DVD. Um, So, uh. It would be like three episodes, but it was like the first three episodes of the series. And it was always like previously on X-Men, Wolverine, pull back. <laughs> it was just every <laughs> every episode that appeared in the previously or in flashbacks that people were having. Wolverine keeps having nightmares every time he keeps hearing Morph saying it. Yeah, it's a recurring theme throughout the entire series. This is really hitting home to a lot of our listeners. I know. I know this. <laughs> hitting them right in the nostalgia. Some real deep cuts. Well, at least you threw in Michael Jackson. At least that has some wide appeal. That casts a large <laughs> net, you know. He had a great cover, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you don't make it that big in the muggle world without being a, a magical witch or wizard. <laughs> you don't have dance moves like that without some kind of magic. He's got magic <laughs> shoes. That's how he was able to stand while he was leaning that far forward. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially all I have for Metamorph Guy. That's really, I think, all there is, you know, out of the series. So I don't think there's much more we can really add to it. I'm still laughing at that Mrs. Doubtfire joke. Yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire. (laughs) I mean, you had me at Mrs. Doubtfire, and then it just one-upped with Michael Jackson. It just (laughs) one-upped. Hey, Ryan. This is Michael Jackson. RuPaul. (laughs) <laughs> RuPaul <laughs> Oh, it would have been a good one Should have said that instead of Jack Ryan <laughs> Oh man, I'll tell you what I'm feeling a little gypped I feel like you guys get really cool, unique stuff And I'm like, yeah, and there's not really much That Gryffindor gets, you know, specifically But, uh, I mean, we're known for having frizzy hair and buck teeth Hmm, not so special after all, are you, Gryffindor? Hey, like you know what? It's time for circle. Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw's time to shine. Yeah, yeah. We're full circle now. It's like, I thought I had this special ability, but it's just long second toe. It's like, long oh, you can do legitimacy? So can everybody. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for joining us for this episode of the Slug Club Podcast. If you like the conversation and you want to hear more, you can find the Slug Club podcast on Spotify or also on Apple Podcasts. If you want to join in on the conversation and give us ideas for new conversations, new podcast episodes, you can follow us on our social media at the Slug Club on Instagram or on Facebook. We'll see you guys later, but until then, mischief managed. 
The Slug Club podcast is a creative discussion between Harry Potter fans and has no affiliation whatsoever with Warner Brothers, J.K. Rowling, or any of their affiliates. All opinions expressed in the Slug Club podcast are completely our own. No house elves were harmed in the making of this episode.